Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We started a brand new collection of talks called Faith, Hope, and Love. Faith, Hope, and Love. And where did we get the title of this collection? Well, it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter of the Bible. It's been read at weddings you've been to. Maybe you had it read at your wedding. It's awesome. But there is a very powerful closing to that chapter that the Apostle Paul gives us to the church of Corinth that I want to reflect on over these next few weeks. And here's what it says. Now we see things imperfectly like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. Paul is saying, hey, all of life is about figuring things out. And sometimes it's difficult to figure out what's going on or what God is doing. But then we will see everything in perfect clarity. Paul is talking about eternity in heaven with Jesus. We're gonna see forever what this was all about and how good our God really is. And here's what Paul encourages us today, is all that I know is partial and incomplete. If you ever feel like you don't have all the answers, that's okay, even Paul didn't. He says, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. And here's what Paul is getting at. The foundation of our life that we can build on is that three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And we close out our collection next week talking about love. But today, we're talking about hope. And if you've been at Local City for more than a day, you've heard me say this. There is always hope because hope has a name. That's the title of today's message. Hope has a name. And we know that if hope has a name, it means that we can have a relationship with it. It means that there is a person attached to that hope. And there will be a question later on in the test about that, but I'm sure a lot of you know it. But the thing is, is that hope is not some emotion that we chase. Hope is not something that is fleeting, that comes and goes. Just as Pastor Joe said earlier, it is the same yesterday, today, and forever because it has a name. And here's my hope for you today. It comes from Romans 15, 13. Again, Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. I pray that God, underline this or circle it or whatever you do to make you pay attention to something. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because why? You trust in him. Not because you've done all the right things, Not because you have all the answers, but God is our source of hope simply because I trust in him. Then what happens? I love the if-thens of scripture. Then you will overflow with confident what? Confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does it say? When you plug in your life to God, the source of hope, you will not only have enough, you will overflow. I was traveling this week and I was heading into the airport and my phone was about to die, but the problem was my ticket, my boarding pass, was on my phone. So I was like trying to rush to get to the gate so that I could scan it before it died so I could get through to the terminal. Because I knew that if my phone dies, I got no access to where I'm trying to go. You know me, I love to connect you to these things. A lot of us were running frantically through life because we're living our life on two and three percent of the worldly sources that we're depending on. 
But it's like when you, if you had just a long, eternally long extension cord with you, plugged into the spirit and soul of your phone in your life, that you will never run out. You always got that lightning bolt next to the number because God is constantly pouring an overflow of confidence in you, but not just confidence, self-confidence, spirit confidence of the hope that has a name so that you will never run dry, you will never run on empty, but you will overflow. If you believe that, give me a good amen today. There we go, we're getting there. One step up. We're a big amen church and like an amen corner of the crowd is what we need today. I'm a, lo- I'm a words of affirmation love language guy, so it helps me out. And let me give you this and I'll give you a quick story and then we'll pray and jump into the heart of the message. But write this down for me. Hope means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. Hope has action to it. We don't just say I'm hoping God does. No, we are living in action. To give you a miraculous story, last week, and I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna do the same thing after service today, because I believe some of us just need a new shock or another shock to our spiritual system today, and not just go through the motions anymore. That we need to take a step and say, God, if you have something more for me, or if God, you're real, I wanna step into that today. So we're gonna open up the altar time when we close in worship. But last week, I did that, and we all talked about faith, how believing for God to do the impossible is the essence of faith in our life. I remember I was down on my knees and I was praying and calling out to God and I stood back up halfway through the song and I stepped back and I stepped on somebody. And I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) That's okay, the altar's messy, it's all right. But I talked to that person afterwards and she was telling me, you know, I was believing for a miracle. I painfully walked down to that altar this morning. Pain in my knees and my body. And Pastor Ryan, I tell you, when I stood up from that kneeling position, I had no more pain in my knees anymore. I had no more pain. And I saw her outside. You still walking in that miracle? She said, yes, I'm still walking in that miracle today. And there's one for you. There's one for you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you for the hope that has a name. And I pray, God, that all of us in this room would do two things. We would let go of whatever we walked in here with. Fear, doubt, anxiety, stress about what's going on, depression, Anything that would block you from speaking to us today, God, we let it go, we lay it down right now for the next 25 minutes. And God, I pray that all of us would lean in to your message, to your voice today, to the hope that has a name. God, I pray for all of our kids and local city kids. I love our leaders over there. They're doing such an incredible job, and I pray that you would bless them as they teach our kids. We love you, Lord. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Once again, give me a good amen, everybody. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. One action step I'd love for you to take today as we do step into Easter season is, man, we love, our, our mission statement here at Local City is to bring hope local. And what I would love for you to do today, Easter is a big project, and we would love as many people that call Local City home to help create a home environment and a hope-filled experience for people on Easter. And so we could use some extra host team and parking team and just people that are willing to serve people that day. So if you'd say, you know, I'd love to help for Easter in any way that I can, on, your, on a connection card at the end of service, would you just write in that prayer request block, say, I want to help with Easter, I want to do whatever I can, and, and turn that in at the seven-minute party. I would love to meet you back there. But as we jump into this today, I was thinking about Oh, you're good, David. You can head out, man. Thank you so much. Give it up for David, everybody. Doing a great job. Blocked him there with my little object lesson later. But so as I told you, I was traveling this past week, 
And I flew out to California, uh, which was awesome. I had never been that far west before. So I got there and I was immediately jet lagged, fell asleep at like three o'clock in the afternoon, woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning. I was like, this is weird. What do I do now? Uh, but, but what was exciting about that trip was when I got to the airport, I had set up a rental car. I'm a big Priceline guy, so bundle everything and it works out great. And so I went up to the Hertz rental car counter after I got there. And I said, hey, I rented a car, reservations under Ryan. And they said, yes, sir, Mr. Miller. I always like that. Makes me feel important. We have your reservation right here. And here's what I have for you. She said, I have a Toyota Corolla for you. And I was like, awesome, thanks. I'm glad you at least have my reservation. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. If you've ever seen that episode where they're like, I made a reservation, we ran out of cars, then you didn't really take my reservation because holding it is the whole point of it. But they had my reservation, which was great. And so I, here's what, this is a little trick for you, especially you men out there, if this is interesting to you. My question I always ask the rental car company is, oh, that's great, but do you happen to have anything a little more fun? And they said, yes, we do. We have this red Dodge Challenger available for no extra cost because it's right here. Someone just returned it. I was like, yes, I will take that. So I walked out. Now, I walked out, and there it was, had the remote start. Listen, I drive a 2006 minivan, all right? So remote start, like, whoa, look at this. This is awesome. The car knows I'm coming. It senses my presence. Got in this car, turned it on, like, oh, yeah. My minivan doesn't do that, all right? Like, I'm, I'm praying it starts at this point in its life. And so I'm driving to the hotel, and what I saw before me was incredible. I'm from Florida, born and raised, and Florida is flat, 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 all right? Now, if you love the beach, which I do, it's great that we live here, but Florida is flat, flat, flat. California, where I was, I was in Coachella Valley for a conference out there, and this city was plunked right down in just this beautiful circle of mountains. So as I was driving, I was like, man, look at these beautiful mountains. They got ice caps on them. This is incredible. And so I didn't really have anything to do the first day I was there because the conference started at night. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? I'm like, man, I got this sweet car. I got to drive this thing. And I want to feel truly American. So there's these beautiful mountain roads right just a few minutes away from me. So I was like, let me just put in the GPS like somewhere up in the mountains, like a big point where I can go hike. And I'm just going to go cruise through the mountains in my red American muscle car. And that's what I did. I would like to say that I obeyed the laws of the speed limit, but I did not, I can confess to you today. And I was driving there and I felt so truly red-blooded American driving through these mountains, weaving through these roads and driving real fast. I made it through, it's okay, the hand of God's on my life. Uh, but made it through and I got back down. I was like, man, that was awesome, I wanna do it again tomorrow. I did it again, because I'm like, I wanna live in this experience because I'm gonna fly back home in a couple days. Why do I tell you this? Because for two reasons, that thought never occurs to me here. Because my life is here, and so there's nothing new about it. So I wanted to experience the new thing that was only available to me for a couple days. But also, I know what I drive every day. I drive a car that has a very low ceiling in terms of speed and power. And for me, having, having access to this power made me live my life a little differently. And for us, I think that we have put a lid and gotten comfortable with the hope of Jesus that's in our life. It's no longer a confident, alert expectation. It's walking in, oh, I, gotta hope, I hope this starts today, and I know I can't do anything crazy or do anything fun or exciting. I'm just gonna live within control. I'm gonna live within what's simple and easy. Can I encourage you today that you've got a red Challenger sports car right in front of you, and all you gotta do is grab the key and turn the ignition on that confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he's going to do. We can clap for that, because that's good. 
And as we said before, God is our source of hope. So before I open with the story today, I wanted just to kind of use this as an example because this is what life does to us. Now, you gotta, I have terrible handwriting. I'm just asking for your forgiveness in advance. But this is a lot of times our approach to life. A lot of times our approach to life is this little symbol right here. Okay, and you're saying trust God, but I don't know if I can. My life's pretty crazy right now. We begin to walk in with just a lot of doubts and a lot of questions because sometimes we cannot, as much as we want to, we cannot control the output of life that comes our way. And some of you would agree because of the happenstances that have occurred in your life that were out of your control that knocked you down and defeated you, and now it's making you walk with an eternal question mark everywhere that you go. Some of us are sitting here today thinking, yeah, you, you seem really excited about this hope and this Jesus guy, but I don't know how true it is. Because listen, I've got medical issues in my life. I just lost my job. I've got relationship issues in my life. I've got financial issues in my life. You don't know how people have let me down, so I can't step back into a community of people. I feel like God never answers me when I pray. And suddenly, this is the mark that now marks our life. What if? Is it really going to happen? Is God really who he says he is? Can I really trust God with my prayer? Does God really want to see a miracle happen in my life? Does God really want to see the impossible? I don't know. I don't know. And the enemy, Satan, has caused us to live with this lid on our life that we can never put our pedal to the metal and live a little bit of exhilaration in our faith life anymore because we're so scared of what could happen. We're so scared of what if God doesn't. My question to you is what if he does and you never gave him a chance? What if he does and you miss it? What if he is more than willing and we're not willing to even ask? One of the greatest miracles that we see Jesus perform is for a hurting, broken man who says, Jesus, if you're willing, would you heal me? What is Jesus' response? Of course I'm willing. And anything is possible for those who believe. That's what all last week was about. But today is about building a foundation, building a source for that, helping you move from this to, again, be patient with my drawing, but to this, from that, to this now. I don't know what life's going to hold, but I know God is good. I don't know what the future may hold, but I know who holds the future. I know that God will never leave me or let me down. I know that God is with me above all else. I know that when I pray, God hears me. I know that I have been forgiven and set free because of the wounds of Jesus. I know that when I pray, God is stooping down from heaven to listen to the cries of my heart. I know that when I was broken and beaten and in that deep, dark place, the light of Jesus saved me. I know because there is always hope because hope has a name. You gotta give me a better amen than what you're receiving right now. My prayer today is that you would leave with no more question marks and leave with an exclamation point that there is always hope. If you'll write this down for me before we go back to the story mentioned above, the reason there is always hope is because hope has a name and that name is Jesus. There is no other name. The Bible tells us that there is one name, count it one name, that we will be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. Maybe you're in this place today and you have been your whole life trying to build the success behind your name. By being successful, by building this platform, by being accepted, by showing everybody who you are. You've built it behind that name. Pride's a real deal. Maybe you've, you've been seeking for that one name that's going to finally complete you in that relationship or that promotion. It's this person that you think you need, you're just chasing that name. 
Maybe you've been living under the burden of a name like anxiety or fear or abused or distressed or depressed or success and achievement. I want you to wipe away. It's not an eraser, but I would wipe away. <laughs> I want you to erase all of that today and simply realize every single thing that you need is found in the hope that has a name, and that name is Jesus. I want to show that to you today. If you'll turn in your Bibles, if you have it, or bring up your Bible app to John chapter 8, I'm going to read you a story, and then we're really going to settle in on the last verse or two of this story. It says this. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. This is, what, this is in chapter 8, verse 1, and then we'll get to the verse on the screen, verse 9. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. I just love stopping right there and telling you, there's a crowd here today, and it's easy for you to think that this crowd, you're just sitting down and Jesus doesn't see you, but Jesus wants to sit down and teach you individually today. He sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. I'm going to prove it to you right now. As Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Imagine we're doing this, now, I'm not Jesus, but Jesus is teaching a crowd outside like this, and these religious leaders come and bring this woman and throw her down in the front of everyone, in the front of the crowd. Caught in the act of adultery, meaning she's probably not clothed, meaning she's probably crying, meaning she's doing whatever she can to cover her shame and guilt, and they have brought her caught in the act of sin in front of Jesus. What a conniving event that these religious leaders are trying to do, and here's why they're trying to do it. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Last time I checked, it takes two to tango in the act of adultery, but I guess they didn't care about the man in this instance, but Jesus is about to speak to them and let them know and put them in their place. Number five, the law of Moses says to stone her. These are a few words that I want you to lean on in, I'll lean on to the rest of your life. They say to Jesus, what do you say? For too often in our life, I believe we have lived our hope based on what others have said, and we have forgotten what Jesus says. What Jesus says and said will always, always, always override every single other voice in your life. Why? Because every blog article or news report or TikTok, every single caption and comment and statement that people have made will die off in a few years. Definitely in a hundred years and definitely in a thousand years. Do you know what word still stands true? Do you know what statements and sentences and sayings still stay, stand true? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that the world would not perish but have everlasting life in him. There is one sayings of words that will last forever and it's what I'm holding in my hand. We believe what this thing says, all right? But they say to Jesus, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. He does two things here. Number one, he identifies with the broken because the woman is in the dirt too. She's been thrown down, so Jesus gets down. And he does the second thing. Some of us, what we could do in our life, completely ignores what all the haters are trying to say. Because I don't care what you have to say. There's someone who is broken and alone here, and I need to identify with them because you're trying to accuse them and hurt them, and I don't really care what you have to say. I want this person to know that in my presence, there is hope. In my presence, there is forgiveness and healing, but as annoying people tend to do, they keep demanding an answer. This past, like, uh, a couple months ago, whenever, like, health insurance renewal season is on us, I somehow I got into the wrong database that I was in need of health insurance, and I 
kid you not, I got texts and calls by, for someone named Kathy, which I'm obviously not Kathy. Every single day, I got texts and calls. Hey, Kathy, heard you were new, wanting to renew your health insurance. Like, no, two things. I'm not Kathy, and no, I already got it. Leave me alone. And I would do that through texts and phone calls, and somehow they kept finding me. I feel like, I feel like Jesus here. Well, these guys just keep bothering him. Hey, what do you say about this? Look at what is going on. We know what the law said. What do you say? Well, Jesus, they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, maybe you know this part of the story, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and began to write in the dust. Now, if we have, are familiar with teachings on this story, there's a whole bunch of estimations of what Jesus was writing, from as simple that he was just ignoring them and maybe drawing a little stick man, you know, drawing, whatever. Some maybe think he was writing the, the, the judgment in the, in, the, in the sand because what happened in biblical culture at this time to take on a capital offense and to bring capital punishment, which is what they're saying, this woman has done a capital offense and she deserves to be capitally punished, meaning stone her and kill her. There had to be two eyewitnesses to that. And Jesus is giving these guys the chance to really put the money where their mouth is and say, well, if you're willing to do it, here you go. Other people believe, scholars believe, that Jesus is writing the names of these religious leaders and they're not-so-secret sins, or they're not-so-secret mistresses, if you will, to let them know, hey, you need to calm down a little bit because you're just as broken and as guilty as this person. And so he says, without sin, we'll make cast the first stone. And he stops down and begins to write again. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, because sometimes older people are way more wise than the younger people, <laughs> until only G, this is huge, and this is on the screen, and it's on your notes, and I would encourage you to underline this, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she says. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. There's so much power in this story, and there's so much power in the ending of this story, because here's what happens is these accusers bring this woman who was guilty. No one denies this the entire story. And they throw her down in front of the crowd and in front of Jesus. What do you say? Now, Jesus is trapped, but he never gets trapped because he's the son of God. Because if he says stone her, then he looks completely anti this gracious and compassionate authority leader that he is right now. But if he says don't, then he speaks against the law of Moses, which is what biblical culture at that time, people, the, uh, the people of God had built their whole life around. So what does he do? Well, Jesus doesn't have a question mark when he walks his life. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And he's going to speak the truth to these people. And what he speaks to them is, okay, awesome. If you religious leaders are so perfect, you throw the first stone, shuts them up first. He shuts them up with what he says and what he does. And I want you to know in your life, the reason you can have hope every day is because Jesus has shut everybody else up in your life through what he said and what he did. What he said is that you have the opportunity to be forgiven and set free in him because of what he did on the cross. And we have to lean into that to know that that is the loudest event in history. That is the loudest proclamation ever spoken in the history of our world and existence. And he gets down and begins to identify with the broken and writes in the dust. Whatever he writes does not matter. What matters here is the posture of Jesus. 
And I need you to know today that sometimes we're afraid to walk into the presence of God or sometimes we're afraid to call on the hope of Jesus because we are convinced that he is some God on a cloud so far away that does not want to hear our voice, does not care about what's gone on in our life, but he says, no, I'm down right here face to face. Let me know how you're doing because when I stand, I want to help you stand too because I'm the hope that has a name and you can call on that hope whenever you need it and I'm letting you know it and demonstrating it to you today. I believe if you were to usher in what does Jesus do in his life through the gospel message, it's this last sentence. Look at the woman's response. This is very important for us in this room today. No, Lord. She doesn't say no, sir. She doesn't say just no. She gives Jesus a title. And what is that title? Lord. Now, the word in the original writings was kyrios. What does that mean? The Lord of all authority in my life. Why would she say that to him? Because in this moment, he has the authority in her life. He's in the middle. She is ashamed and naked and broken, but she says, looks him in the eyes and forgets about all of that. Forgets about what the crowd is seeing and just has this eye-to-eye moment with Jesus where she says, none of these accusers condemn me. No, Lord, no person with all authority in my life. No, Jesus, they're gone. Here is the gospel message today in two sentences. Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. And where does our hope come from? The fact that when you come to know Jesus and the invitation at the end of this service or you came to know Jesus in your life or if you come to this altar at the end of service, Jesus does not begin to point the finger at you and say, this is where you, that's what we would think. Some of us are living our life with the, the fact that when the crowd throws us in the middle, Jesus is, again, maybe he will get all the accusers out of the room. Shoo, go away. It's like a bunch of cats. I hate cats, so that's what I'm always doing to cats. We have them at our HQ. Go away. Little crazy cats, little demonic spirits. Go away. Sorry, I could stay there forever, but it's okay. Uh, um, but, <laughs> but what he does is he shoo, shoo, go away, accusers. You're loud and annoying. But we think this is what Jesus' response is going to be to us. What's wrong with you? Why did you do that? No, he says, where'd all the, where'd they all go? They're gone. What is he I don't accuse you either. I need you to know that. And I need you to know that Jesus knows, you've, knows what you've done. And the first conversation he has with you is not all about what you've done. That conversation will happen and needs to happen. But the first conversation he says, hey, I'm right here with arms wide open, ready to be the hope that has a name in your life that has forgiven you and freed you and just wants to be down in the dirt with you sometimes to help you and help you stand up again and keep going and lift your head because where does your help come from? From the heavens where Jesus sits in the right hand of authority right now. And where do I also have hope? In the fact that he tells me, go and sin no more. Other, other translations say, go and leave your life of sin. Sometimes we need to realize that the reason we can have hope is because Jesus speaks to us and hits us right between the eyes with the truth that we need to hear that is the truth that can change us. And I want you to lean into this today because I I brought a fun object lesson for you, but I want to get into some real nitty-gritty detailed things. So as I told you, I was traveling recently, and here's my suitcase that I use to travel, my Amazon Basics suitcase that I got on Prime on a deal, which is great. It's been great for me. But the first day I got there, I I had a feeling this was going to happen. I'm a little bit of a pessimist sometimes when it comes to our airline system. And so when I was getting on the plane, they were like, okay, if you're in these last few groups, you're going to have to check your bag. 
Now, just to be honest with you, in those moments, I act like I don't hear that because I don't want to check my bag. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to. I'm still going to carry my bag in. But somehow they knew that I was lying because, again, God will always find you out and the truth comes known. And so when I went to scan my boarding pass, big beeps went off. Sir, you have to check that. All right. And so I checked the bag. And in my mind, I'm like, I just, I don't know why, but I feel like this bag is not going to follow me all the way to California. And it did not on, t- on Tuesday morning when I got there. It, my bag was not there. What was nice was I got to get the little reimbursement of go buy some things and help you out. It's like, sweet, new shoes, new shirt, let's go. Um, but what I realized is how scared I was to not have my suitcase. Because otherwise, I was going to have to walk around in like the natty clothes that I had on from traveling all day. And when it finally came, I was like, oh, thank you. I have what I needed. And so what I want to do is I want to follow my little suitcase example and give you an acronym today because what I told you is hope has a name and that name is Jesus. Well, how do we live with that hope every day? Well, the reason, one of the main things is, is that when you pack something and you're flying and you're going on a traveling journey, I mean, life is a journey that we have to keep going, making the next plane and walking down the next trail to keep going and not give up. We don't just carry all our clothes like this. How silly would that be? All right, load me up. It's like when you have to move clothes from the washer to the dryer. I have to do that in my house because my wife is not tall enough to reach all the way down in and get everything out. And so it's like this, you're moving everything and then you carry it out. We are definitely the culprits of like, it's been dried, but it sits in the dryer and then you got to dry it again because you never took it out in time. Right? I'm just being, again, a lot of honesty for me on stage today. But when we go on a trip, when we go on a journey, you don't carry your clothes around like that. Why? Because that's a burden to carry that gets awkward really quick. So what is hope? The H for you is that you have something to hold on to. You've got a handle on your hope that you can hold on to. It has a name and it's Jesus. You can hold on to that name. You can hold on to it so it never lets go. It's always there. What does it say? And it's on your sheet. What does it say in the book of Hebrews? It says that hope, if you throw it up on the screen for me, is a strong and trustworthy what? Anchor for our souls. It leads us, again, only a person can lead you. A person leads us through the curtain into God's presence. It's something I can hold on to so that I can carry it with me. It's the name of Jesus. It's his person that I so desperately want you to know more and more of in your life. I do not want you to know Jesus simply through my 30-minute message on a Sunday. I don't want you to know Jesus simply through our worship experience on a Sunday. I want you to personally hold on to him one-on-one in your life with your own time in the word and your own time in prayer and your own time in worship. And I will do whatever it takes to teach you how to do things because I know it will be the hope that never lets you down, that is a strong and trustworthy anchor for your soul so that when you're standing there waiting in life on the turnstile of waiting for your luggage, it's always there and you can grab a hold of it and say, you know what, life is throwing a lot of things my way. I'm going through the darkness right now, but I am not letting go of the hope of Jesus because it is a strong and trustworthy anchor in the biggest storms in my life. And it will lead me exactly where I need to go. Some of us need to realize that, yes, God will do the impossible. He will lead you into provision and healing and strength and courage. But what does this verse say? Where does Jesus want to lead us first and foremost? Into the presence of his heavenly Father and in the presence of your heavenly Father. Let's go to the O. The O is a suitcase only really works when you open it and you see what's inside. Now, i got to say I straightened this up a little bit so you don't have to see anything gross in there. But we open this up, and then we go to what's inside. I need this. I need that. I packed it, prepared for it. Let me just tell you that your hope has been packed by Jesus, and it's always going to have what you need. 
But some of us, we're walking around in life with a closed-off approach to the Lord, hiding things from him, trying to perform even for God, to never let anyone behind the walls that we've built. What did Jesus say to this woman? Go and sin no more. Meaning that, hey, this sin, you have sinned in your life. Can I encourage you with the full gospel message today? Sin exists, and you've done it, and I've done it. Sin exists, and it's a problem. Sin exists today, and it means that it has separated us from the love of God because it's time when we've chosen to do things our own way. There needed to be an answer for it. And when Jesus came, his love is big enough and wide enough and deep enough, but it comes from being honest that, yes, I've sinned and messed up. I've lied. I've cheated. I've stolen. All the Ten Commandments, we could go through them, and I'm sure a handful of them. I can go back and remember, like the cheated thing, like I cheated on a big essay in school one year. Still something I think about. It's been when I was six years old and stole a candy bar from the gas station. I remember that. Today, I know the times when I've lied and hurt people around me, when I haven't honored God above other gods in my life. I've sinned, I've messed up. You have sinned and messed up and you have to realize the depth of your sin. Otherwise, you will never realize the depth of the victory that Jesus has given you and the depth of the forgiveness and freedom that Jesus has given you today. And the only way you can do that is to be open about it. One of the things I think that we have gone away from as a church is repentance. Because sometimes, I mean, I'm praying that there will just be a breakthrough in our prayer time after service where people would come up for prayer and not just run away from it, because this is one of the most important things we do, and we're going to do it today after service. But I think a lot of times, even the way I have to apologize, the way we've proclaimed it, it's like, well, if you need something, come up and pray. I would also open it, hey, if you just need to confess something today, so that you know that it's not in the dark, because that's where the enemy loves to kill you, is in the secrets and in the shadows and in the dark, and you can trust our prayer team. Because what does the Bible say? That when we confess, there's freedom. When you confess, there's true forgiveness. Not because we're trying to chatter about each other's secrets, but because we are the church and we are a community where that's okay because I know I've messed up. My favorite verse, when Paul says in 1 Timothy, it's a trustworthy saying, Jesus came to save sinners of which I'm the worst. And I want you to know that you can be open and you need to open yourself up to the things of God, but also the community of church today. You need to get in a circle today. You need to not just be someone who occupies a row on Sundays, but a circle of of relationship and healthy communication and openness because Jesus is saying, hey, go and sin no more. But she had to acknowledge that her choices got her to this moment. I know that the, the religious leaders were hurtful, harmful people. That's true. And God does not want that. But there also has to be honest moments that, yes, you did what you did, but I don't condemn you for it. You cannot realize the power of Jesus saying there's no condemnation until you realize you deserve to be condemned. I cannot celebrate the hope that has a name if I don't think I need it because I know I'm pretty good by myself. I'm not. Messed up. And I need that hope to pull me out of the mistakes I've made that have got me thrown in front of the crowd before. Because when I realize this, here's what you have. You get to the P, which is a passion response. I believe when she walked out of that circle, yes, she had to deal with some people like, whoa, look at this lady. But I believe when she walked back to maybe some of her other crowd people, and she gets to tell them, hey, I know 
We've been stuck in this lifestyle for a long time. We have been hurt and broken, but I was just thrown in the dirt before a person who told me that I'm not condemned and that I'm free to live my life because of what he said. And I can have a passionate response about that. There's another instance with Jesus and a woman at the well where he says to her, how's life going? She says, okay. And he says, how's your husband? She says, oh, I don't, I've had many and I don't have one now. He's like, right, and who you're living with right now is not your husband, right? Jesus speaks some truth, everybody. You hearing me? But then he says, well, I just want you to know that you know, God's looking for people today. He sent me to let you know that I'm, he's just looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth, and you're invited to the experience. She takes that moment and runs back to her town and brings her entire town to Jesus. When's lot, would, we, would I be able to describe your faith outside of Sundays as passionate or just another thing? If you tell me more about how much time you spent in the gym or than time how much time you spent with God, something's wrong. If you post more about yourself or your, or your accomplishments and, and less about God, something's wrong. I'm not saying that to really knock you in the head, but what I'm telling you is your response about what Jesus has done in your life needs to be described as something you're excited about, as something you're thankful for, as something that you're passionate about because you realize you'd still be in the dirt in the middle of the crowd if it were not for Jesus. Like, I open up, man, I'm so excited. I packed my favorite stuff. I get to wear it. Woohoo! And we gotta be excited about that. We gotta be people who are filled with joy about the only thing that matters at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families. And the last one is this as we close. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come out. Is that we gotta evangelize. What does evangelize mean? It simply means to tell people the good news of Jesus. I packed my favorite sweater that last week, literally 30 people were wearing them. But this little sweater that we made with our little smiley face logo on the front, of course, our local city branded sleeve, champion, trademark, come on. But on the back, it says, and I've told you this before, on the back, it says, there is always hope. Not for it to look cool on the back of a shirt, but so that when someone sees it, they can say, hey, I like your, like your sweater. Awesome. I love that. There is always hope. Cool. Let me tell you what that means for me not caring if they ask or not, just telling them. He's got good news for you today. Because you don't know if that person prayed this morning, hey God, show me you're real. I need some hope in my life and I know where it's gonna come from. And you can tell them hope has a name and he saved me and I wanna tell you the good news today. Hope has a name and I wanna invite you to have a relationship with him. The only reason we're celebrating today that hope has a name and that name is Jesus is because people like that woman caught in adultery and the disciples evangelized about the good news that they had. They didn't isolate it to Sundays. They didn't isolate it to their own private time. It marked every single thing about their life and some of them lost their life for it. And for us, we have to realize, man, there is only one thing that's worthy of my life and it is the hope that has a name. And here's what I wanna invite you to do today is we're about to cry out, I speak the, thanks David. <laughs> about to cry out, I speak the name of Jesus. Because in Psalm 142, 5, it says this, I cry out to God, I call out to you because you are my last chance, my only hope for life. And I pray if you need a prayer, there it is right there. If you need a prayer for down at the altar today, there it is right there. Maybe you've never stepped into saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you're at a moment where you just want to go all in with your faith, all in with the hope that has a name. There's your prayer. Jesus, you're my last chance, you're my only chance, my only hope for life. And I want to live like that. I want to hold on to it. I want to be open with you in your church. I want to have passion again. And I want to evangelize the good news. That's what it's all about. 
Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus, and it has action behind it. Can I get a good amen if you believe that today? Would you stand to your feet with me as we close? I'm gonna invite the prayer team up. As the band sings this full last song, it's been a special time during service. And as they sing and as the prayer team is up here, I would, I would encourage you, if you feel any inkling at all that God's moving in your life, if you need to come fall on your knees, maybe some, repent of some things, if you need to stand with someone and ask for prayer, just confess something so you can walk out free, or if you need to see to come and down and have a powerful moment with God, I'm telling you, my life changed spiritually. Not when I got up and spoke for the first time, when I was a 13-year-old kid and I ran down to the altar and said, God, I already had a relationship with him, but I was like, you need to be everything in my life. And here's where the story comes from. I heard a story of a missionary recently. They were in Africa, and they were trying to really speak the good news of Jesus to some tribes out there, and, and the, the witch doctor problem was just, the, the, the presence of evil was great. And they were so new as a missionary, they did not know what to do. And, and one day, as they were getting ready to go out to speak the good news of Jesus, a couple of witch doctors came around them and were just chanting evil things over them and curses and all that stuff. And the only thing this missionary could think of to do was just to begin to speak the name of Jesus and just shout the name of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's all you need, because each one of those witch doctors dropped dead in their space so that God could do what he wanted to do. And evil has no place in the name of Jesus. You don't know what to pray when you get down here? You don't know what to pray in your seat? Speak the name of Jesus a thousand times. It'll be more than you need, because it's that powerful. Would you stretch out your hands with me today and get ready to worship in response today? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.